Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way of the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity just to gather together at the beginning of the week and to worship you and to see the children that you brought to our church um, or just serve and just to be encouraged by that. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that it is. And Lord, even when we don't understand all the things that take place, you are sovereignly in control. So Holy Spirit, I pray you just wake us to that truth that we would be bold for you, guide our hearts and guide our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever felt bad for Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown's kind of had a uh, resurgence recently. He's got his new movie out there, the Peanuts movie, which is a pretty good movie. But um, I'm not a huge Charlie Brown fan. But have you ever watched him enough and kind of felt bad for the guy? Uh, he's the blockhead who just can't quite kick the football. But he, he is constantly going after it again and again, in many ways, Charlie Brown is the epitome of what Hebrews or Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6 is talking about. When everything seems to go difficult for him and he can't quite figure it out, he can't quite get Lucy to keep the ball down, but he just keeps going. And the question is for us, we, we often don't know how life is going to work out. And that's what Ecclesiastes is all about. How is life to be figured out? It just seems so chaotic. It's absurd. It's just wackiness. There's all kinds of things we don't understand about life. And that's what the Bible says. That's how life is. We've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's guiding us to say, hey, this is how life is. Life under the sun can be lived a certain way. Or there's a way to live life in faith. So the question this morning I want us to ask is, how do you live? confidently, when you are not sure how things are going to turn out? How do you live confidently when you're not sure how things are going to turn out? Chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes last week talked about all about wisdom and being a fool and how not to be fool, why we need to have wisdom. And all the way through this book of Ecclesiastes, even though he's, he's examined all these different areas of life, he said, how do you want to live life? There's two ways. You can live life under the sun, or you can live life seeing above the sun, in a sense. And he's saying, hey, you can live life selfishly, or you can live life in simple faith towards God. And as he's getting towards the end of the book, he's picking up the pace now. And he's trying to say, the way to live life is to live a life of faith. Not living life selfishly, and it's meaningless, but living a life 
of faith. And a life of faith brings challenges, which we don't always see them at the beginning. We don't always see what's going to take place. Just like life often is filled with fog. It's taken over this area the last couple days. And the fog has made some beautiful pictures of Chicago. If you've seen it, people have been posting them all over the place. There's beautiful pictures of the fog. But when it comes to our own lives, we don't really like the fog. We, we want it cleared out. But that's not the way life works out. And the book of Ecclesiastes all the, way, all the way through is saying that's not how life is. There aren't a lot of guarantees. We don't know how things are going to turn out. There's a lot of fog in life. There's a lot of confusion. There's not a lot of questions, a lot of forks in the road. Which way are you going to go? Should you do this? Should you do that? How do you know? And the question is, he's wrapping up this book is he wants us to live by faith. And not living life under the sun selfishly. But how do you do it confidently? How can you live your life confidently when you're not sure how things are going to turn out? And he says two things. Last week he basically said, be sensible. Don't be a fool. Wisdom is better than folly. And this week, surprisingly a little bit, after saying, be sensible, basically he says in these verses, be bold. Be bold. At the end of chapter 11, or chapter 10, this idea of wisdom, he, the, the author of Ecclesiastes had not seen it all yet. He was still looking towards the future. Jesus hadn't come yet. But for us, Jesus has come. And we know that the Bible says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus grew in wisdom. He is the wisdom of God. So when it comes to your life, and when you're not sure which direction to go, and there's a lot of fog, and you're trying to live confidently, how are you going to know which way to live? The foundation that you have to have, that we all have to have, is to know this with life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the confidence right from the beginning that we can know. Paul said it in Philippians 1.6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the foundation for our wisdom. As we're going through life as followers of Jesus Christ, who have already decided, hopefully the majority of us have said, I don't want to live life under the sun. I don't want to live life selfishly. I want to live it in faith. But even if you live in faith, there's a lot of confusion, isn't there? There's a lot of fog. There's a lot of decisions you have to make. We're not always clear how it's going to turn out. And he just got done telling us to be wise, be sensible. And now he says, be bold. But the foundation has to be that Jesus began a good work in us, and he's going to complete it into the day of Jesus Christ, and because of that, when it says verse 1, he says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. It's kind of confusing. What's he mean by this? I mean, nobody usually takes their bread, feeding the ducks or feeding the birds in the river or the lake, tosses it in there, and nobody really expects that their bread's going to come back any good. You throw bread into water, and usually it starts to it gets soggy, it gets no good, it starts to float away. And that's not what it says. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. He's using all these illustrations in these six verses, all these little metaphors to try to say, hey, do this. If you're not sure how to live life, if you're a little foggy, if you don't have much confidence, 
How should you live by faith? The first thing he says to do this is just to plunge in. Just plunge in. I mean, how many we've all been to uh, the beach or to the ocean or on vacation and the kids get in the water and it's all 50 degrees and they're having a great time splashing around and they say, hey, Dad, come on in, jump on in. And you put your hand in the water and you're just like, no way. How can you guys stand being in that water? And like, come on, Dad, jump in. Come on, Dad, jump in. And so timidly you put your foot in a little bit and it's freezing and it's no fun. The only way to overcome that is to do what? You just got to jump in. You just got to totally commit and plunge in. That's really what he's saying here. There's, there's really no guarantee here. He says, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Really? He's, he's really saying, you don't know. Life is this way. So be bold. We don't know. Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it many ways. And he says, give a portion to seven or even to eight for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. We don't know what disasters are going to take place. So he's given very practical advice that you could put practically. You could say, cast your bread upon the waters for you'll find it after many days is a way of saying, hey, work really hard, take your grain, put it on a ship, send it off, hopefully it'll sell and it'll bring back. It used to take three years in Solomon's day for that to take place. It could mean that. Invest it. Even though you don't know if it's going to come back, the ship could sink. So be Commit to it. Plunge in. And also he says, give a portion to seven or to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. So really diversify. Make sure you don't put everything in one basket. Don't keep everything in one basket. Diversify your finances. Diversify your funds. That's practical advice that you can get from that. But he's saying something even more about faith. About following in life. He's really saying, plunge in. You don't know what's going to take place in your life. There is a lot of fog. There is a lot of confusion. Even as a believer. And so risk something. Plunge in. Be generous with your life. Is your life filled with generosity? This is the only life we're going to get. There is no other dance we're going to. This is the dance of life. This is the one life that you give. And he says, if you want to live wisely, if you want to live in a way that makes sense of faith, risk it. Be bold. Plunge into things. Be generous with your life. There's no quote that said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will will last. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is that how you live your life? Are you plunged in? For Jesus Christ? Are you committed? Have you jumped in? You say, well, I did that five years ago, Paul. I did it ten years ago. I was really plunged in and committed 25 years ago. But then, you know, the situation happened, and then this situation happened, and now I'm just afraid. I don't want to risk it. I might get hurt again. I might go through some difficulties. And the author of Ecclesiastes is saying, yeah, you you might. That's exactly right. That's how life works. You don't know. You can cast your bread into the waters and you can hope it comes back, but there's really no guarantee. You don't know that. You don't know what disaster might happen. So plunge in anyway. 
Risk it. Be bold. Put your life out there. Serve God generously in every area with your life. What are you going to gain at the end? If you live your life all the way through, what's going to be at the end of your life? Are you going to have half a tank full of energy that you could have used for God, but you were too timid? You didn't want to risk it again. You didn't want to get hurt. You don't have to go through any more wounds. You didn't want to suffer any. So you said, I'm just going to hold it back. Jesus was not very happy when he told the parable of the servants. The one servant was given five talents. The other servant was given two talents. And the one servant was given one talent. And the, the owner came back. And he wanted to collect on his return. And the first servant went out and invested it. He diversified, and he had double. The other one put in, he had invested it. He diversified, and he had double. But there was the one servant who took the one talent, buried it in the ground, and he said, well, I knew you were a very stingy man. I knew you were very serious about your money. I didn't want to lose it. And the master said, you're a fool. You've wasted it. So how do you want to live your life? Ecclesiastes says don't do that. Plunge in. Be generous with your life. Take the risk. You don't know what's going to take place, but take the risk anyway. Serve anyway. Give generously with your money anyway. You don't know if they're going to use it for a vacation. If they say they have funds, you don't know what they're going to use the money for, but be generous anyway. You don't know if you invest in somebody's life, pour your heart out into their life, You don't know if they're going to wake up one day, walk away from you, and everything you tried to instill into them, you have no guarantee. But the Christian response is to invest your life anyway so that we come to the end of our lives and we are on empty. We have given everything for Jesus Christ that we have asked, that we possibly give. The wise man, someone said, or woman, will invest everything he has in the life of faith. How are you living your life? Are you plunged in? Or have there been so many times where you've been hurt or struggled or it's been difficult and God didn't come through like you thought he was supposed to come through so you've just started to back away, back away, back away and you're sitting like an old man, 500 pounds, filled with energy that you could be using but instead you're just going to hoard it for yourself and say, I'm not going to dive in anymore. I'm not going to risk it anymore spiritually. I'm not going to live my life generously anymore. The author of Ecclesiastes would say that's a foolish and unwise way to live life. We are called to plunge in, be committed, fully give our lives completely for Jesus Christ. Because tragedy, difficulties, and hardships will come. But he who began a good work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. So plunge in. And then press on, he says in verse 3 through 4, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth, and if a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So we're supposed to plunge in, take the risk. Take the risk about serving God. Take the risk about living your life boldly for Jesus Christ. Talk to somebody at work. Try it. Share your faith. They might absolutely reject it. Or, 10 years down the road, they might call you up and say, hey, remember that time 
You told me on that Tuesday afternoon about Jesus, and I totally made fun of you. Well, guess what? I met somebody else who told me about Jesus a few weeks ago, and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that you risked it for me that Tuesday 10 years ago. Do you have any stories like that? Any stories like that in your life where you've risked it, or you, have you pressed on? So what he's saying here is these, these, these guys are looking at the rain. They're like, well, it's going to rain, so I can't go out and do anything. So I'm just going to stay home. Well, it looks really bad. That tree fell that way. I don't know which way was going to happen. It was a bad storm. See, it, it, it could have fallen on the house I was going to build there anyway, so why, it's a good thing I didn't build. He says, don't do that. Plunge in and then keep pressing on. Don't wait for the perfect time to serve. There is no perfect time. Ecclesiastes 9 11 says, time and chance happen to us all. We can't control the events of the world, of our own lives, of our own situations. So don't wait for the perfect time, he's saying. There is no perfect time. Now is the perfect time. Now is the time, no matter what the obstacle may be. Someone said, it's better to fail in launching out than hugging one's resources to oneself. Time and chance happen to us all. And so the question we need to not ask is, why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? The question we're supposed to ask is, I'm I'm plunging in, I'm risking it, I'm going to go all in for Jesus Christ, I'm going to be bold. And it's not, why did this happen to me? Really, why not did this happen to me? Because time and chance happens to everybody. If it's not me, it's going to happen to somebody else. So why should it not take place in my life? And if... God is doing a work in my life and will bring all things for good. And he's going to complete this work in me. This difficulty, this suffering is ultimately for my good. So I can just keep pressing on instead of what we often sometimes do when we go through suffering. And we got to fight this is, oh, I tried again. Uh, I put myself out there. Things aren't going so well. It's difficult. Life is so hard. That's the Eeyore syndrome. Well, is me. I put myself out there. Here it goes again. It's probably going to fail. Life is going to be difficult. That's not how God calls us in this passage to live. He actually calls us to be donkey from Shrek. Donkey from Shrek is the complete opposite of Eeyore. Donkey from Shrek is very optimistic. He's very excited. He's, he's bold. He's risky. He's absolutely happy. He loves life. He's filled with energy. He takes on challenges. He's all about adventure. That's what we are called to do, is to plunge in, press on, and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So when the day is very good, rejoice. And when the day is difficult, consider that God is working all this out for your good and he's going to complete a good work in you. But some of us really have to fight the Eeyore and the donkey syndrome and be like the donkey. And sometimes it takes a mule fight of faith to fight to be like donkey, which is what we're called to be in Ecclesiastes. We need to plunge in, press on. And then he says, just keep plodding through. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the woman, in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. 
In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike are, will be good. You don't know. So just keep plodding through. Just keep plodding through. Knowing that Jesus Christ has promised to do this good work in you. So risk it. Press on. Life is a mystery, the Bible says. That's what Ecclesiastes is telling us. Life is filled with mystery. And mystery is the way God designed life for us. He didn't make it all organized, un- very clear, without fog. That's not, that wasn't God's intention for us. If it was his intention for us, that's the way life would be. But God designed life to be filled with mystery. Even as followers of Jesus Christ. So just plod through it and embrace the mystery. Not try to escape from it. William Carey, who is known as the father of modern missions, gave his life in India for, I think, 40 or 50 years and served and served and served and served and was there for years before he ever saw any converts to Christianity. Filled with difficulties, filled with struggles, filled with opposition. And at the end of his life, he he said this. He says about God or an author, he says, if he gives me credit for being a plotter, he will describe me justly. Anything beyond that will be too much. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this I owe everything. The fact that William Carey in the midst of the difficulties of being in a massive foreign country, no other Christians, and just plodding through and persevering and persevering with joy. We now know him as the father of modern missions and the gospel is spread around the world. Plod through life. That's what he's saying. Don't be somebody who's like, well, I can't go out and sow in the morning. Looks like it's bad weather. I'll have to wait till the evening. Don't do that. Don't just quit. Don't just stop serving. Don't just stop being generous with your life. Don't stop investing in people. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't often seem like much is getting done in the kingdom of God. We speak and we preach and preach after preach and preach. We share our faith, share our faith, and it seems like not much is moving. But God has said, his word will not return void. And he has chosen to use people who are risking it and plunging in Pressing in and plotting through to bring about his kingdom on earth. We're supposed to risk it. The greatest example, one of the greatest examples of that, I think, in scripture is Mary. The angel came to Mary as a young teenager. And we think Mary's just this phenomenal character, and she is. And I think we underestimate the greatness of Mary in scripture. She was this young teenager who out of the blue, this angel says to her, hey, you, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit come in. You're going to have to give birth to a baby. And that baby's going to be the son of God. Could you imagine? That was a risk. Really? Did I just have a bad dream? Was that, is this true? All the, she would face all the shame that any girl in our church might suffer if she came back and said, yeah, I'm pregnant, but I didn't sleep with anybody. Right. No, it's God's son in me. Sure it is. 
I'm telling you, I'm completely pure. I'm a virgin. Okay, what's the baby bump? She would face that same scorn. Yet she plunged in. She pressed on. And she plotted through so much so that in Luke chapter 1, verses 37 and 38, she says, the angel said to her, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this young teenager, facing a situation that nobody in the history of the world ever faced or dealt with, said this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's a girl who is willing to risk it, who is ready to press on, and who is willing to plod through. Kathleen Norris said this speaking about Mary. She says, When I am called to answer yes to God, not knowing where this commitment will lead me, Mary gives me hope that it is enough to trust in God's grace and promise of salvation. But there's a better one than Mary. Mary was the human mother of Jesus. But the greater one than Mary is Jesus, her son. And Jesus loves you. And he gave his life for you. The Bible says in Hebrews to consider him who endured. Consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Listen, if you've stopped risking spiritually, if you've backed away because of hurts and struggles, if you're exhausted and weary and say, it's just not worth it. I'm not going to stick my neck out again. I'm not going to go chase that person. I'm not going to try to deal with the situation. The Bible says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you won't grow weary and faint-hearted. How do you live confidently when you're not sure how things are going to turn out? You be bold. You plug in. You press on and you plod through. You live by faith. You trust with Mary. And you say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Is that how you're living life? Is that how you describe your Christianity? Is that how you describe the life that you're living? Or are you going to end up at life with a half tank full of gifts that you were supposed to use for God's glory, but you were too afraid 